Welcome to Hope for the Introvert with your host, Ben Welk. You'll be listening to a series of conversations with and about introverted leaders, their strengths, and how they apply them in the workplace and other parts of life. We'll also chat about the challenges many of us face as introverts and how we overcome them. Ben is an introverted leader himself, who works as the program manager in the Information Security Office at the Rochester Institute of Technology. He's also the vice president of the Society for Technical Communication and a member of the EDUCAUSE Higher Education Information Security Council. You can contact him by email at ben at hopefortheintrovert.com or on Twitter at hopeintrovert. Support Hope for the Introvert on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com slash hopefortheintrovert. Joining us today is Helen Harbord. Helen describes herself as a sociable introvert who spends her working days as a technical writer for Elsevier. She's responsible for creating all kinds of user assistance for a clinical trials application used in the health research industry. Welcome back, Helen. We're chatting today about some of the challenges you face in the workplace. And one of the things that we've been discussing offline a little bit, whether or not you do presentations. Many of the previous guests who identify very strongly as introverts do present, but they also find they have a good deal of discomfort with it, but they had some ideas around it. And I'm curious because you're clearly very well-spoken, but you've provided in your bio that you do voiceover work and acting and things like that, which are obviously very public and you're speaking in front of people. But from what you've told me that you aren't really doing very much in terms of presentations, I'd like to explore that a little bit. How come you're not doing presentations? <laughs> well, it's a very good point. I suppose, for one thing, I don't need to do them at work. So the need doesn't come up. It's not like a thing that I've said, oh, well, I'm not doing that. It just literally hasn't really, really come up. I mean, I'll do mini presentations. You know, I'll do presentations to my team. But they're kind of like friends. So that doesn't really feel like a scary thing, particularly. But yeah, I think the thing with acting, the the big, big thing that I think there's a misconception about is that when you're acting, you're not being yourself, really. If you're acting a part, you're being a character. And not only that, but you are basically doing what you've been told to do by the director. You've been told, well, you may not have been told how to do it, but you've done something and the director has said, oh, a bit more like this, a bit more like that. So it's not really your, it's not, it's not you. It might be your skill and your, you know, your ability, but it's not you that you're presenting. And I think that that just makes all the difference. In a performance, you're expected to speak because you're acting a part. So everybody's expecting you to say something. Whereas if you're at work, not in a presentation world, but just at work, you're not necessarily expected to speak. So people don't, I don't know what I mean. People sort of don't, there's no pressure on you to say stuff. Whereas when you're acting yeah, it's just not you. I'm not explaining that very well, but you know what I mean. I think what you're saying is that you're playing a role when you're acting and you're not. Yeah, basically. In some ways, playing that part, you're not vulnerable when you're up there speaking because you're actually yeah. doing these specific, maybe specific lines or maybe just a certain way that you do things. What I've found interesting for myself. When I speak at a conference, 
I don't know how much I've done it enough times now, so I'm not totally freaked out by it, though I still get very nervous beforehand. And I really want to go hide right afterwards if I have an opportunity just to settle down and recoup some energy. But I found, at least in terms of my involvement in professional organizations, if I'm at a meeting, the last thing I really want to do is go up and introduce myself to people or try to have conversations which may feel like small talk or something like that, just minor topics. But I found that when I go into an an event and I'm there as a representative, say I'm going in as vice president of such and such, I know full well that there's a role I need to play, whether I'm comfortable or not, and I will play that role. And at a conference, I'll look like an extrovert very often to people. But when I have the option and have a choice, I just would not get out. I would be reticent. I would be sitting back. I would be observing. I would not be up introducing myself to people I don't know at all. So there is very much a discomfort level, but I think it's the same thing as I know I have this role to play. And that part's been interesting. Mm. Do you ever present at conferences or anything at all? No, I never have done. I may do, but I must admit the thought does fill me with terror. But... I would. I think, again, I think it's like you're saying, if you have, if you're passionate about a subject and you genuinely think that you have information to impart to somebody that would be useful for them, then I think it would be fine. And I think if you focus on that thing and not on yourself, then I think it's fine too. And as you say, you have a role, you have a reason to be there. You've got a subject immediately there to talk about. I think it would be good. But no, I don't. I mean, one of the things, one of the, the thing, it does backfire sometimes, this acting thing, because I think people do assume that you will be brilliant at presenting and that you will love to do it. And I, I definitely don't have a particular desire to do it. I do have the instinct to run away when you say that. I, I do just think, ah, no, no, no. And I think in terms of even when, actually, even when acting, I much prefer camera work. I'm very, very happy to act to a camera, but to act to an audience does actually terrify me. And I don't think I'm alone. I think a lot of professional actors have the same thing. You know, you hear Dame Judi Dench saying she, she's exactly the same. You know, her favourite part of getting a role is the moment she knows she's got it. And then ever after that, it's terrifying until it's all over. So I think it's a common thing. And I also think uh, a lot of actors, a lot of very successful actors are introverts themselves, which surprises people. But I think, it, again, it's that thing, you know, you're... Being a good actor is so much about being good at observing and just seeing how people behave and what they do, and then obviously being able to mimic it. But if you don't have that observation part at the beginning, you're not really going to get anywhere. Uh, and I think that is something that comes much more naturally to introvert people. Yeah, I think that's a very good point. I think one of the things that introverts are very good at is, maybe not all, but is reading emotions. and really trying to see what how people mm. are reacting to things rather than just delivering, I'm going to say delivering their lines or delivering their presentation or something like that. Yeah, empathy. Yeah, the empathy thing, absolutely. I know in my, I hesitate to call it a career, in my speaking experience, which has really only been 
I don't know, it's probably been more than 10 years. It seems it seems like less to me that I have still much prefer to be up there with someone else if I'm co-presenting. And in general, I run through the same issues in terms of anxiety before I present as well. I'm usually okay once I get going now, but there's certainly been times in the past that somebody saw, oh, that person's really, really nervous. I mean, I think part of it is, I think there is a role you play as a presenter as well, and absolutely want to be engaged with my audience. So for me, I think I look at it as an opportunity to have engagement and also try to have conversation, try to have some dialogue during a presentation. But it's an interesting thing. And I do classroom teaching also. And even the first day of a classroom teaching, I am nervous. I don't know. I'm in front of people I don't know. They're students. They must all know more than I do, which absolutely not been the case. But it feels like that going into it. So it's an interesting thing. And one of the things that talking to Alisa uh, Bonsignor previously about this whole thing about presenting, I think part of it is understanding that you have something important to say. As an introvert, it's also being really, really well prepared because very easy for us to talk about a subject that we know in depth. I found it very difficult to talk about myself because I don't like that vulnerability. I'd much prefer, I can talk about this. I might be wrong about something, but I can talk about this, but I don't, I don't really enjoy the criticism or I'm afraid of the criticism. But I don't know. It's interesting. I've had to speak in front of as many as 3,500 students. And I think that took care of a lot of the stage fright. <laughs> Part of it. And I've also done lightning talks where the slides advance themselves every 15 seconds. So it takes some control away and you're hanging on trying to get through the presentation. But the other thing that I started exploring over the last year or so is improv and looking at work that Ellen Alda had done around improv and how helpful that is for very technical people, whether in science or in medical fields, it's helping them in terms of their communication by teaching them how they can be an empath with the audience, understand how their message is being received, rather than just kind of going into lecture mode or whatever the rote thing is that they normally say. So I've actually found that to be quite interesting and quite surprisingly enjoyable to be doing the improv. And I think part of it is it's just that, you know, you're going to play a character. You don't know where it's going to go. Yeah. And I think there's some excitement to that and some fun with it also. But I agree that I think a lot of really good presenters as well are very introverted. And certainly the case with musicians and things like that. Mm. Also, the performance aspect doesn't really seem to have a lot to do with being an introvert or an extrovert. I think, mm. you know, you hear about it. Many, many people have stage fright or whatever you'd want to call it. Yeah. Of different types. Yeah, I absolutely agree with what you say about improv. I think improv is just brilliant. I've done not masses of it. I've done I've done bits of it, but I love it. I mean, it's, it's kind of terrifying and just exhilarating all at the same time. Uh, yeah, like you say, and I think it's really useful. It's taught me, well, what's it taught me? It's taught me all sorts of stuff, which is useful, as you say, with communication. I think it teaches you not to overthink things and which introverts are 
slightly prone to. It teaches you just to get on with it, say what you're thinking. It teaches you to really commit. So if you decide you've made your choice in improv, you've stood up and you've made yourself a tree or whatever it is you're going to do, and then you have to really go with it. You can't change your mind or waver. You have to be strong. So I think that's a really useful thing too. And it also encourages you to see things from different angles, not just the obvious angle. So I think it helps you think around problems a bit more as well. And then the whole thing about always saying yes. In improv, if someone comes up to you and says, stop pointing that gun at me, you don't go, oh, it's not a gun. (laughs) You have to sort of, you say, yes, um, I will if you give me those diamonds or whatever it is, and you just advance the scene. And I think, again, that in a meeting situation where somebody has asked you something that you know you can't do or is not the right thing to do, rather than just saying, no, that's not going to work, it helps you to be more accepting of it so to say oh yes I was thinking about this too brilliant idea let's have a think about it and you know I don't think that will work but this might do and it just smooths the whole process and I think you can get an awful lot out of improv. Yeah I think that's very much the case and I was surprised I'd always loved watching improv. Yeah. And we would get I think Whose Line is probably based on a British Whose Line was a quite popular show over here and getting an opportunity to see some of see how they work it's just fun cuz you just don't know where it's going to go and it's interesting because normally i really like to know where things are going to go so <laughs> i have some idea and where i know where i want to end up and i want to figure out how to get there so mm-hmm. let's talk a little bit more about ways that you feel like you're an influencer whether it's at work in your professional organization whether you feel like you're a leader, and if so, what ways you do that? Well, I think uh, certainly at work, because I'm the only person that deals with user assistance, that kind of thing, you know, developing um, materials to help our users. So I'm the only one that um, that does that. I'm the only one that can really advise on it and, and discuss it. So in that way, I think I'm, I'm definitely an influencer and perhaps a leader because I can come up with ideas for things that other people just wouldn't have thought about because they're spending time thinking about other stuff. So I think certainly in a software development house, you've got the stuff that I do, writing online help, that kind of thing, goes very much hand in hand with support, customer support. And so I can certainly have a lot of influence over the way that we design our products, really. Yeah. And what about in terms of the involvement with ISTC? I see you're a fellow for that. I know that works differently than the fellows do for Society for Technical Communication. So how did you become a fellow and do you play any leadership roles in that organization at all? I don't play any leadership roles as such. I do help in terms of some of the behind the scenes stuff with the conference, the, the one that we met at. I do get involved with that a little bit. I became a fellow really because I, I wanted to have recognition, I think, in my field. Uh, I think it carries quite a lot of weight with it. And it's a good way of, of showing the outside world that you can't just become a fellow overnight. You have to do the work, put in the hours. You have to sort of prove that you can do the job and you can do the job well. So that was really my motivation, I think. But I do very much like being part of the ISTC. I think it's a fantastic organisation. I imagine it's very similar to the STC. 
yeah, a real good community. Yeah, and for me, it's we use the phrase tribes over here, which is certainly not is way overused now. But it's very much a case when I'm around that group of people, you know, they understand you. Mm-hmm. We've built relationships over the years because when you go to a conference year after year, you start meeting the people and start having conversations and such with it. Yeah. So, Helen, I think this has been an interesting conversation. It's really nice to get your perspective on things. One of the questions I've had for my guests is recommendations they might have for other people who want to really become an influencer, maybe become a leader, whether it's a positional type leadership or whether it's just somebody who has an impact on other people, what recommendations would you have? I think the most important thing is to work out who you are and just really be yourself. And I think especially in a corporate environment, you can end up with an awful lot of corporate clothes, if you know what I mean. And I think I'm definitely not a corporate animal. (laughs) I'm very happy to work in the corporate team and do all that stuff. And you know, I love my job and I take it very seriously. But I think you have to be true to yourself and you have to bring the bits of you that are positive to the job um, and to the role. And I think not being, not letting yourself be defined by the thought that you may be introvert. Because I think, as I said earlier, often introversion, I think, can be seen and from the inside as um, a handicap or a negative thing which it just isn't at all and if you look at some of the extrovert qualities you think god it'd be a nightmare to be like that (laughs) you know you'd never get done or there's all sorts of things so I think just focusing on the talents and abilities that you do have because there is only one of you and just really really being yourself and then learning to manage your energy definitely I know we've talked about the thing about introverts needing time to sort of hibernate afterwards or whatever I don't have that particular thing but I do get very depleted of energy at a big event so for example something like a networking event I will get really tired during even though I may enjoy the conversations I'm having it is quite tiring so I think understanding the type of energy that you have is a really useful thing Many years ago, I was ill for several years with a thyroid issue, which wasn't diagnosed. And so I learned an awful lot about energy and how it gets used up. And I think when you're ill, everything's distilled and you can really, really see what's going on. And something I discovered, which was a bit of a a revelation, was I think as introverts, we tend to think that it's easier to talk one to one, just to talk to one other person. It's less scary than talking in a group. But something I discovered is that that is absolutely exhausting and draining because you're having to be constantly engaged with that person. So, for example, at a networking thing, although it seems easier to walk up to one person standing on their own and have a conversation with them, if you can get into a group, it's much less intense because at any point, the other two people could be having a chat together and you can kind of just step back a little bit and breathe and maybe look around the room and without being rude. And it's much, much easier to, to kind of get through an evening if you are getting exhausted by it. Yeah, that's just something that I've learned and it was a big surprise. I think that's a really good point because it's much easier to be in a conversation with a couple of people and and actually if the conversation's not going well, it does potentially give you an opportunity to excuse yourself mm. without feeling like you're being rude with it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, networking events, for me, those can be grueling as well. 
thanks, Helen, for a fun interview. Thank you for joining us today on Hope for the Introvert, a series of conversations with and about introverted leaders, their strengths, and how they apply them in the workplace and other parts of life. We hope you've enjoyed our discussion. Find out more about introverted leadership and this podcast at hopefortheintrovert.com. Remember, you can contact Ben by email at ben at hopefortheintrovert.com or on Twitter at hopeintrovert. Until next time. Support Hope for the Introvert on Patreon. You'll love the rewards. From a discount on merchandise to joining the online community of introverted leaders like you, there's something for everyone. You could even join Ben as a guest on the podcast. We appreciate your support. You can find us at patreon.com slash hope for the introvert.